Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, it's late on a Friday night. Bar patrons are enjoying themselves until the murder. They just start hearing these screams from the shadows. Someone's trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me. Witnesses identify a suspect, and soon he's behind bars. They just look at you and say, yeah, you you, you did. A prison becomes a classroom that ultimately reveals things not seen at trial. Miscarriage of justice doesn't even begin to describe this case. In the end, a forensic technique refined after the collapse of the Twin Towers exposes a killer. This is the holy grail of exonerations. If Houston, Texas were a country, it would have the 26th largest economy in the world. Some areas are incredibly wealthy, and inevitably, some aren't. Lydell Grant came from a gritty area in the southwest part of the city. We was a tight family. We was just growing up in a nice little area at the time. I always wanted better, so my aspirations was much stronger than a lot of kids around me. Despite a solid home life, Lydell says he made mistakes, and one changed his life. When he was 16, he was sentenced to 10 years for what he called a minor part in an armed robbery and did the full sentence. He was released in 2004. I didn't go back to my old playground and mess with old playmates. I had to change my playthings, and that was one of the main things that I knew I had to do Lydell aspired to work in the music industry and started making a name for himself in Houston's red-hot hip-hop community. I always had the dream of becoming a successful music mogul, not no artist. I wanted to be a mogul because music is my life. But on December 15, 2010, Lydell Grant's life took an unexpected detour. Houston police pulled him over. I mean, as soon as I pulled up and parked, I had my hands up and I had my window down, of course. I'm like, damn, you know, all this for a, a, a traffic violation? I mean, I don't even know what I've done wrong. Lydell was handcuffed and taken into custody. As I get down to the station, he said, we'll take him down to homicide. I'm like, homicide? (laughs) I ain't never been homicide. Police told him he was the only suspect in a murder that had made headlines across Houston. Seriously, I mean, I really, really thought that I was being punked. And I thought it it was a prank. I was being pranked, but this was really going on. The murder happened four days earlier 
On a Friday night, a frantic 28-year-old man named Aaron Shearorn ran up to a group of bouncers outside a downtown nightclub. Because he opened up his shirt and showed them that he had a, a puncture wound, a bloody puncture wound. And uh, everybody watched on in horror. Seconds later, witnesses saw another man brandishing a knife, and it looked like he was after Aaron. Aaron begged the bouncers to protect him. The bouncers are trying to figure out what's going on. I think one of them said he thought they were in a lover spat, so they just kind of shoot him away and wouldn't let him inside. Aaron couldn't get any help and ran for his life. When Aaron realizes he can't get inside, he runs into an adjacent parking lot. He doesn't get far, and, and the man with the knife chases after him, grabs his jacket, pulls him in close, and begins stabbing him some more. And to the horror of the people on the, the balcony of the bar watching uh, this unfold below. Aaron died later at a nearby hospital. Lots of people had a front row seat to his brutal murder. And with that many witnesses, police believed they had all the evidence they needed to convict Aaron's killer. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The people who witnessed Aaron Sharon's murder had differing descriptions of who did it. They gave a really broad description of this, this suspect. They said he was a black male. He was six feet, two inches, between six foot and six foot, seven inches or something like that, I think. The night after the murder, detectives got a potential break. A man at the same nightclub, a witness to the murder, called to say he just saw someone he thought was the killer. One of the uh, employees of the nightclub saw him parking his car right there in the very parking lot where this murder had taken place 24 hours earlier and thought, well, that kind of looks like the guy who committed this murder last night. Detectives traced the VIN number on this suspect's car and got a surprise. The driver, Lydell Grant, was an ex-convict. His mugshot was on file. First, they went to the witness who had seen Mr. Grant get out of the car. And they went to him and they said, is this the person who did it? Or words to that effect. And that witness did pick Mr. Grant's photo. Out of a large group of witnesses, seven people claimed to have a clear view of Aaron Sheeran's killer. Separately, they were shown a photographic lineup of six different black men, among them Lydell Grant. They take that photo lineup and give it to seven of the eyewitnesses they talked to a couple nights before. Turns out that six of the eyewitnesses point Lydell out of the photo spread and say, this is the guy. Soon afterward, Lydell Grant found himself behind bars again. Just out of nowhere, that quick, my life was snatched away. My life was snatched away for something that I have been accused of. Lydell told police he had no idea who Aaron Sheeran was. As for his whereabouts at the time of the murder, he said he was bar hopping with a friend. 
and Lydell's friend backed up his alibi. Lydell doesn't dispute that he was in the area and he has this great alibi witness. And this alibi witness testifies Lydell was never acting strange. He was never acting in a way that would suggest he killed someone. Detectives were unconvinced and said they had forensic evidence that could tie Lydell to the murder. Aaron Shearorn fought for his life and scratched his killer. Skin cells were found under his fingernails. There was Aaron Shearhorn's DNA. Of course, there's going to be his DNA. It's his fingernails. And, and there was an unknown male contributor, obviously foreign to Aaron Shearhorn's. There was clearly a foreign contributor in that DNA mixture that was recovered from the victim's fingernails. The police knew at the time that that was going to be the perpetrator's DNA. Lydell had no scratch marks on his body. The DNA sample was tested by an analyst with the Houston Police Department Crime Lab. The state's DNA expert called the DNA mixture in this case inconclusive, said it was too complex of a mixture to interpret. Inconclusive means inconclusive. It means you can't draw conclusions about someone's inclusion in that DNA mixture or their exclusion. But how that evidence is interpreted sometimes comes down to how prosecutors convey the science to a jury. The issue is how good was the interpretation of the data? So, for example, in this case, is Lydell Grant's DNA under the fingernails of of the victim? Uh, I don't know. It's inconclusive. So when prosecutors determined their DNA evidence was likely not enough to convict, they relied primarily on their six eyewitnesses, an unusually high number. All six said they were sure Lydell was the man who killed Aaron Shearorn. When someone comes to court and the prosecutor says, sir or ma'am, do you see the person here in the courtroom today who you saw murder the victim? And they say, yes, Mr. or Ms. Prosecutor, that's him over there. I would know him anywhere. That's the man I saw commit the murder. And that's very powerful to a jury because people think, what? Well, eyewitness, you know? And they're saying, that's him. In December of 2012, Lydell Grant was convicted of first degree felony murder and sentenced to life in prison. Your heart dropped. It's like life just being sucked out. You just being being squeezed up out of it. It's like you it being crushed. But Lydell knew he was innocent and was determined to prove it. So he turned his jail cell into a law school and a forensic science classroom. I was able to retransfer my mind into thinking that hey, I'm going to school. I'm finna go to law school. That uh, enabled me to go here and really just live like I was on a college campus. After his conviction for a murder he said he didn't commit, Lydell Grant was determined to turn his jail sentence into an opportunity. He became a fixture in the prison's library. The only way that I'm going to get out is for me to get up, go down there and get my nose in them books and learn the law. That way, I can use the same thing that they used to convict me. I can use it to unconvict myself because I knew once again that I did not kill no one. I knew it. 
Lydell learned that DNA technology at the time of his trial in 2012 was so advanced it should have been able to identify the killer's DNA. And the main evidence against him, the eyewitness identifications, they're notoriously unreliable. Lydell sent dozens of letters asking for help. One reached the desk of Mike Ware, both a former prosecutor and criminal defense attorney, now the executive director of the Innocence Project of Texas. Ware asked his students at Texas A&M's School of Law to dive into the case. We have to do a lot of internal vetting because we get so many letters before we actually take a case. Now, this came in as just one of thousands of letters we get every year. By this time, Lydell had been in prison for six years. The Innocence team soon realized he'd done his homework. The Innocent Project of Texas said, we see that you have something that is promising. <laughs> Them words right there, I, I, I stopped right there. Got emotional. It was an overdue time. It, it, it should have been Kane, but like I say, God is always on time. Lydell's new legal team homed in on the eyewitness testimony, the keystone of the case against him. According to the Innocence Project, nearly 260 people in the U.S. have had their convictions overturned after DNA evidence showed eyewitnesses were mistaken. People's memory is not a perfect camcorder, so to speak. People can be shown photographs that change their memory. All kinds of things can change people's memory. There's all kinds of psychological experiments that have proven that. Even worse, study after study shows that cross-racial eyewitness identifications are particularly unreliable. And in Lydell's case, only one of the witnesses who testified was black. Lydell gets convicted, mainly the six eyewitnesses that the jury really hung on to. Their word of his face was burned into my, my memory. They pointed Lydell out in court. Just really confident eyewitness testimony that influenced jurors. Lydell's new legal team knew that attacking the eyewitness identifications was not nearly enough to prove his innocence. It is so much easier in our system to convict and incarcerate or even execute a completely innocent person than it is to exonerate a completely innocent person once they've been convicted. But while witnesses can be unreliable or completely mistaken, DNA is a more impartial witness. Lydell's team turned to the so far inconclusive DNA under Aaron Chiron's fingernails. Raw data from that sample was sent to Angie Ambers. She focused on parts of the DNA known as alleles. An allele is a variation that's observed at a particular DNA marker. And there were 26 alleles in this DNA mixture that not only did not match the victim, but they also did not match Lydell Grant. I thought, wow, this is not an inconclusive DNA mixture. That, of course, differed from the inconclusive determination made by the prosecution's DNA analysts at Lydell's trial. Dr. Ambers contacted Mike Ware with the news. He was ready to move forward with the appeal, and I said, but wait, the method that I use, the manual interpretation of the mixture, is 
not what the current accepted method is. The more accepted method is called probabilistic genotyping. It uses computer power to do a statistical analysis of the differences in DNA samples, ultimately producing a match probability. And it's been very successful with mixed DNA. What we do now with DNA mixtures, we use artificial intelligence. We use computer software programs to interpret that data. The software program is designed to be utterly impartial. All the computer sees and compares are codes generated by the differences between samples of DNA. The question now was whether the program could prove if Lydell Grant was innocent or not. When the World Trade Center came down in 2001, the remains of some 2,700 people were mixed in among the dust and rubble. In a scientific landmark, a company called Cybergenetics used a DNA computer software program called TrueAllele to reanalyze 18,000 different portions of those remains, ultimately tying many back to the individual victims. What Trulil does is it unmixes mixtures. So it, it can take the data that a crime lab generates from an evidence sample and take low-level or mixed DNA and find the genotypes of each person who left their DNA in that evidence. If Trulil could identify separate DNA profiles mixed together in the wreckage of the Twin Towers, could it identify the DNA of one single person, the unknown person whose DNA ended up under Aaron Shearorn's fingernails? Analysts at Cybergenetics took the raw DNA data from Lydell's case and, essentially, used computers to separate the two different genetic contributors in that sample. Trulil showed, statistically, that Lydell Grant's DNA was not present in the fingernail sample. It just wasn't there. The probability of a coincidence was 10 trillion times more probable than an actual match between the fingernails and Lydell Grant. He wasn't there. One in 10 trillion. I can't even wrap my head around that. I mean, that's, that's more people than we have on Earth. The next question... If the unknown DNA wasn't Lydell's, whose was it? The DNA was entered into CODIS, the National DNA Criminal Database. There was a hit. We found the actual person whose DNA was left under the victim's fingernails. And that was thrilling. His name was Jamarico Carter. He was a year younger than Lydell and roughly the same height and weight. They both had short hair, but other than that, they didn't resemble each other. The DNA left no doubt. All six eyewitnesses got it wrong. Jamarico Carter was the killer. He is the perpetrator of this crime. And he had left Houston shortly after this murder took place and gone to Atlanta and, in fact, engaged in a violent crime there that involved a stabbing. When Carter was told of the DNA evidence against him, he confessed. To this day, investigators are unsure why he killed Aaron Shearorn. We felt like we had solved this case for the police and for the district attorney's office. Really? 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 Yeah, 
After nine years behind bars for a murder he didn't commit, Lydell Grant was a free man. The last nine years, man, I feel like an animal in the cage, especially knowing that I didn't do it. How did this miscarriage of justice happen? For one, Aaron Chiron's murder was chaotic. According to police, Jamerico Carter chased him, stabbed him, chased him, and stabbed him again. Not exactly an ideal situation for people to make an eyewitness identification. Even worse, the witnesses were some distance away and the scene had very little light. It happened outside a bar, alcohol was involved, and it appears detectives were so convinced they had their man, they might have, consciously or unconsciously, led their witnesses to Lydell's picture in the photographic lineup. There are many different ways in which the police, knowing who the suspect is, can steer the person to pick the person they want them to pick. They don't even realize what they're doing. The Houston Police Department and the Harris County District Attorney's Office declined to be interviewed for this program. Since Lydell's arrest, Texas has overhauled how it handles photo lineups. Now it needs to be a, they call it a, a double blind lineup. An administrator, a, a blind administrator, so to speak, someone who doesn't know who the suspect is, gives the, the lineup to the uh, witnesses. For Lydell Grant, being the mastermind of his own exoneration makes freedom especially sweet. Windows 10 and lights are flashing, so I pulls over. Suspended tag, driving license, but I'm still rolling. Bright lights got me looking in my mirror. All I see is HPD with fingers on their triggers. He's back in the music business, using his own life story in his songwriting. He's eager to let the world know that, despite everything... He's grateful for the science that freed him and bears no grudges. Victory is mine, said the Lord. And I'm going to just let the world know that, hey, man, it's forgiveness in this world. Don't be mad at nobody. Don't be. Life is too short. Just go through it. Thank God. Forgive them and keep moving. 